0: Will you please stand and join me in the reading of Psalm 23. This week, we're going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. So let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord, my whole life long. This is the word of the Lord.
1: The first time I ever saw a sheep farm was in New England. Madison, Connecticut to be exact. I grew up in South Florida, down there where all the storms are coming in. There weren't any sheep down there. I had no experience, didn't see them, but when I moved to Connecticut at a particular location in Madison, I used to drive past this sheep farm. Now for those of you who know anything about Connecticut, it's got a lot of old stuff in it, right? One of the buildings in the town we lived in, in Guilford, had a plaque on it that said 1636. That's an old house, at least for... America, it is. In Europe, not so old. However, when I would drive past this sheep farm, what I saw was a beautiful, high, perfectly well-ordered stone fence. Now, again, if you know anything about New England, that fence could be two, 300 years old. Behind the fence were the sheep. The grass was perfect. It was green. All the time. Apparently, the sheep were moved from one pasture to another so they didn't destroy the pasture entirely, but it was pristine. And the sheep were beautiful. And everything was perfect. I tell you that to say this. When David wrote the 23rd Psalm, he wasn't talking about that kind of situation. There wasn't a nice stone fence and a green pasture every day in roughly the same place. David talked about sheep and shepherds. He was talking about a job. A job of a shepherd who led his sheep in a variety of different places, sometimes very far from home, to find green pastures. The land was hot and arid. The territory that they traversed, frequently had lots of dangers associated with it. The shepherd frequently stayed out in the fields at night with his sheep. And they were susceptible to attack by wild animals. And thieves would often steal the sheep. It wasn't Guilford, Connecticut. So when you read this passage this morning, I want to focus on one particular part. The part is the part that everybody knows the best. Whenever you think of the 23rd Psalm, the valley of the shadow of death. So the psalmist says, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to fear. Why? Because my shepherd, the Lord, is with me. And why further do I not need to fear? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I'm okay. I don't fear evil because my shepherd is there. Just a few moments about the shepherd and the sheep. This description of the valley of the shadow of death could be anywhere in Palestine, not just one place. Because there were things called wadis. They were like valleys where creeks ran, especially when there was rain. And in those wadis or valleys, the shepherd would take his sheep through those rather treacherous places in order to get to a good pasture. They were treacherous because of predators. They were treacherous because of thieves. They were treacherous because of cliffs. They were treacherous because of briar patches. They were treacherous for all kinds of reasons, but they were also the place where water flowed. And they were also the place where you could find clumps of green grass. And they were the only way to get to the other pastures. So the sheep had to walk through the so-called valleys of the shadows of death in order to find life. That's what being a sheep and a shepherd was. You couldn't get to the pasture without passing through it. The psalmist says, when I pass through that valley, I won't fear any evil. Why? Because you're with me. Otherwise, I would fear evil. But since you, my shepherd, are by my side, I don't need to fear evil. He goes on to say, why? Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A rod and a staff are very interesting uh, for shepherds. The rod was primarily a club that was made by a shepherd to protect himself and his sheep. One wonderful old book uh, was written by a man named Philip Keller. And the title of the book was A Shepherd, looks at the 23rd Psalm. I've learned a lot about sheep from this book and the pattern of behavior of sheep and shepherds and parallels to us and the Lord. But I want to read you this little section. Philip Keller talks about he grew up in, in Africa and he had sheep there. He also had sheep in the northwest in this country. And he said when he was in Africa, he was always amazed by the shepherds. He later became a shepherd himself as an adult in Africa and in another place as well. He said, I was amazed by the shepherds and how important their rod was to them, this club that they carried. He said, each shepherd boy, from the time he first starts to tend his father's flock, takes special pride in the selection of his own rod and staff, suited to his own size and strength. He goes into the bush and selects a young sapling, which is dug from the ground. This is carved and whittled down with great care and patience. The enlarged base of the sapling, where its trunk joins the roots in the shape of a smooth and rounded head of hard wood, He takes that sapling and is shaped into the exact fit for the owner's hand. After he completes it, the shepherd boy spends hours practicing with his club, learning how to throw it with amazing speed and accuracy. It becomes his main weapon of defense for both himself and for the sheep. I used to watch the native lads having competitions to see who could throw his rod with the greatest accuracy across the greatest distance. The effectiveness of those crude clubs in the hands of a skilled shepherd was an absolute thrill to watch. He goes on to tell a story about a club or what is called the rod in this passage. He said, on one occasion, I was trying to do some photojournalism, and I was photographing or attempting to photograph elephant herds. And he wanted to find an elephant herd that was at least apart from one another, not all clumped up together so he could get, get great photography of these massive beasts. And he was with a shepherd who was his guide, and they came up over a ravine and looked down, and right down there in the ravine, the valley, was a whole herd of elephants but they were all smooshed up together and they were all in the bush so to speak and he said to the shepherd how can we split them up i need to get them apart from one another a little bit and see them in action and then i can take the shots that i want and the shepherd looked and he said well we could take this boulder right here and push it down the hill and it would frighten them and they would scatter a little bit and then you could get your pictures So, Philip Keller says, let's do that. And so he, together with the shepherd, starts pushing this great big boulder. And they began to make progress and movement. And the boulder was lifted from its position. And as soon as they got the first turn on the boulder, he said, out from under that boulder came a cobra, ready to strike them both. He said, before I even knew what happened, that shepherd used his club and with one whack killed the snake and they pushed the boulder down the hill. He said it was as though it was an extension of his very hand. And he said, I realized in retrospect, while we were pushing the boulder, the club never left his hand. He was always ready to strike something that would kill him or his sheep. So the rod that is in this passage is is a rod of protection. I won't fear any evil because my shepherd's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Now the staff was primarily an instrument of comfort. Oh, it could be used for other things. But it was primarily an instrument of comfort. The rod was an instrument of protection. The staff was an instrument of comfort. And sometimes an instrument of rescue. Can we have that picture of the uh, sheep and the... uh, Shepherd up here on the slide. That's a very ancient picture. Not a photograph, but an artist's rendition. Basically of this thing we're talking about. The valley of the shadow of death. Now I don't know that there's any valleys that are quite that magnificent in Palestine. That's not the point. It's an artist's rendition of what it is like to be a sheep and a shepherd. A sheep that's in peril and a shepherd that's rescuing. Notice the sheep, he's going down this ravine, and his life is in danger. Notice the shepherd clinging to a rock with his staff, reaching out to get the sheep. He too is in peril, but he's going to get that sheep. The crook on the end of that staff was frequently used, not in this picture, but other places, to actually reach out and grab a sheep and bring him back from harm's way. It also was used to tap a sheep. Just kind of keep him in line to nudge him. Philip Keller says, It was one of the most beautiful things to watch. It was almost as if the sheep wanted to be nudged by the shepherd's staff. There was one other thing he described about the shepherd's staff. when, When a little lamb was among all the sheep in the flock, and probably in harm's way, He said the shepherd would take that staff and literally use it to pick up that little lamb and place it next to its mother. You know why? Because then the scent of the shepherd's hand would not be on the lamb and the mother would be more affectionate. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now what about us? Here's what I know about us. We have certain needs, and the shepherd supplies our needs. What are they? You know the first thing we need? We actually need authority. Okay, so there's a lot of songs that we sing, wonderful songs. I love them. That are all about the love of God. They're all about feeling and comfort. And they're wonderful. But we also have songs that are about the sovereign majesty and authority of God. And we can't let those songs or those passages of Scripture or our emphasis in our life with Christ push authority out of the picture. We as the sheep need the authority of our shepherd. Absolutely. You know what authority implies that it, it implies frequently that someone knows more than you do, right? But right now in South Florida there's a terrible storm coming. Right now in South Florida some people will foolish enough to refuse to evacuate in mandatory evacuation areas. Not everybody is in a mandatory evacuation area. My family is still down there and I think they're going to be just fine, but they did not ignore the authority that said you must leave because in their area they didn't say you must leave. Some people, on the other hand, you know it, every time they ignore authority and they stay at their own peril. What are they ignoring? They're ignoring a higher level of knowledge than they themselves possess. They're ignoring meteorologists. They're ignoring what they know. People who study these storms concerning storm surges. There are some people who stayed on islands on the west coast of Florida because they're ignoring the advanced knowledge, authority of someone else. When we talk about authority, that's one of the things we're talking about. The shepherd has knowledge way above his sheep. And God has knowledge way above us. And so, because of that, we submit to His authority and we need His authority. But authority also implies power, doesn't it? It implies the power to do what is necessary. It implies power in the case of God that is absolutely all-powerful. You know what authority also assumes? When we say we need authority, we are admitting that we have to have it. We're saying we can't be on our own. If there's any word that defines the American spirit more than this word, I wonder what it is. Here's the word, freedom. From the very beginning of the establishment of our country, it was a motto. It was about freedom. And believe me, I love living in this country and I love the freedom that I have. I do. On the other hand, freedom, absolute freedom is terribly dangerous. When I submit to no authority and I live my life as absolutely free, it can be a disaster. You know what absolute freedom is? It's primal selfishness. That's what absolute human freedom is. Primal selfishness. And you know what primal selfishness does? It creates societal selfishness which morphs right into anarchy and chaos. We think of ourselves as free. We know we need authority. So when the shepherd steps up, He steps up to be an authoritarian figure in our life, and we need to submit to Him. There's something else the shepherd provides that we need. He provides protection. We need protection as sheep. As people who are Christ followers, we need protection. And let's be quite honest about why we need protection. We need protection because evil is out there, and evil wishes to destroy us. And, of course, evil is in here as well. The scripture is full, absolutely chock full of examples concerning evil and good and Satan and the devil trying to get your soul. If you ignore the notion of Satan and the enemy of your soul, my friends, you're ignoring a whole bunch of scripture. As a matter of fact, very early on, In the scriptural narrative. Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel are having a confrontation. Cain brings the wrong sacrifice. Abel brings the right sacrifice. Abel is blessed and Cain is rebuked. And what does God say to Cain? This is before he kills Abel. God says to Cain, Cain, you've got to be careful. You better be careful. Because sin is crouching outside your door. And it wants to have you. That's a stirring, gripping, fearful image. You're inside the safety of your home. And as you walk out, there is a beast named Sin that wants to take you. Cain, be careful. Well, you know that Cain wasn't. What was the beast that took him? Anger, self-centeredness, which turned in to murder. Or let's remember another passage where Jesus says to Peter, before Peter ever denies Him, He says to Peter, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. That's not a good thing. He wants to make you chaff. But Peter, I've prayed for you. And then right after that, Peter denies his Lord. And the good shepherd who prayed for him welcomes him back. Later, when Peter is writing his epistle to early Christians, in 1 Peter chapter 5, he must have learned his lesson lesson well. Because he says to them, I want to remind you of something. Your enemy... The devil is like a roaring lion and he's roaming around seeking to devour you. Be careful. Why do we need protection? Because Satan wants your soul, and he's the only one who can get it besides our Lord. We need protection. We need authority. And third, we need discipline. That's what our shepherd provides. This has an implication too, right? We need discipline. Why? Because we're not naturally inclined to it. Now, some people are more naturally inclined to discipline than others. I live with one who's very inclined to discipline. She's way more disciplined than I am by nature. However, neither one of us are thoroughly disciplined by nature. We just aren't it's called sin it's called human entropy it's called movement towards chaos and ruin we must have self-discipline or discipline imposed on upon us in order to have a quality life together we have to have the same kind of discipline in order to have quality friendships we have to have the same kind of discipline to live in a quality relationship with our colleagues Discipline is absolutely necessary and the shepherd provides discipline. He whips us into shape when we need it and he disciplines us when we need to be disciplined most. A popular refrain in our culture is to spend a whole lot of time, a tremendous amount of time, trying to figure out why certain behaviors exist in certain people. We study it. We say, well, it must be this or it must be that. I don't mean to denigrate that study, I think it's important. But on the other hand, the primary reason that I have behavioral issues is because I want to do what I want to do. That's why. Parents, can you give me 20 seconds? Your kids need discipline. If you don't discipline them, you will destroy them. Don't spend too much time trying to figure out why they act the way they act. They act the way they act because they're human. Because they're sinful, just like you. And they need your discipline. You have advanced understanding. You have supreme authority. And it's given to you by God. Exercise it. Discipline is actually security. You know what it's security from? It's security from self-destructive habits. That's what discipline is. The fourth thing I, I noticed that the shepherd provides and we really need is comfort, right? We need comfort. Especially when we walking through the shadow of death But you know where the comfort comes from? From the things we just mentioned. The comfort actually comes from the authority. The comfort actually comes from the protection. The comfort actually comes from the discipline. All of those things, even though they don't sound ooey-gooey and lovey-dovey, they are the things that give us comfort, my friends when we surrender to our shepherd who has authority over us and protects us and disciplines us, in that surrender we find comfort. There's a a wonderful psalm um, that talks about protection and the way God provides protection and the way in which I don't need to worry about anything It's Psalm 121. Listen to these words. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Not from the hills. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will neither neither slumber nor sleep. Indeed, he who watches over Israel won't slumber or sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. That sounds pretty categorical. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch out your over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. And I look at that psalm and I say, Really? No harm will come to me? Maybe you're thinking the same thing. You've had no harm come to you when you've been following the shepherd. Of course you've had harm come to you in following the shepherd. David couldn't possibly mean that nothing will go wrong. There'll be no harm in your life. He's got to mean something else. He's got to mean that as some philosophers like Socrates said, no harm will come to a good person. Why? Because nothing can harm your soul. So all kinds of things can go wrong. All kinds of things can be bad in your life. But your soul is protected by your loving provider, your comforting guide, your good shepherd. And no matter whether you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and whether or not death takes you, you will face, ultimately, no harm. Because the shepherd has you in the palm of his hand. Yeah, comfort is about authority and protection and discipline. But comfort, it's just about comfort, too. I don't know about you, but when I think of the word comfort or the image of comfort, the first thing that comes to mind is this. I I can see it because I've experienced it, and so have you. I'm a little boy named Bobby, I have trouble. Something bad went wrong and I'm torn up about it and I'm crying. Maybe there's blood, maybe there's a bump, but I know there's lots of tears. And what happens? My loving mother takes my head and pulls it into her chest and comforts me. Now there's all kinds of other comfort in the world. But that's the first one that comes to me. A mother and her child. Your rod and your staff, says the psalmist, they're a comfort to me. Why? Because I trust your sovereignty. I believe you're more knowledgeable than I am. I know you be, know the beginning from the end. I know that no matter what happens, I'm in your care. This is where that wonderful story comes in that we read a few minutes ago. Disciples are on a boat. It reminds me of what's happening in South Florida right now and the waters are treacherous and they think they're going to die and Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat and they say, Lord, why are you sleeping? Probably didn't say it that calmly. Won't you please get up and help us out? Not that calmly. And Jesus wakes up and calmly says to the storm, shut up already. (laughs) Settle down. And it does. You yeah, know, that's the ultimate comfort. And you have to remember that your sovereign shepherd. Notice the psalm does not say, I have no fear. Right? It doesn't really say, I have no fear. It says, I will fear no evil because you're with me. Here's a, a bold and difficult fact. Every one of you is going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Every one of you is going to pass through death's door. And none of you, unless Christ comes again first, none of you will experience the completeness of eternal life until you do. It's the valley, the pasture, the ultimate eternal pasture and peace with God is on the other side. One of the uh, beloved members of our congregation for years and a dear friend of mine and my wife and my family Passed away not long ago. Her name was Ruth Cowie. Most of you younger folks don't know who Ruth was, but she was a saint. And when Ruth was in hospice and not too many hours from passing away, my wife and I went to visit her for the last time. And we talked. And she was fading, but her mind was still alert. I was amazed in, in her condition, knowing that death was right around the corner. You know what she did? She said to us, tell me, tell me about the kids. How's Tricia? How's David doing? David? Tricia? You're asking about them now? There was, there was this certain calm about her. It's not as though she was fearless. But she was calm. And she was being who she always had been. And then she said to me, Bob, um, can we pray? And I said, well, of course. You know, what I come for. And she said, but I'd like to, if we can... Quote the 23rd Psalm together. She said, I especially need that one part. You know what I mean? Of course we did. So my wife and I together, and Ruth, quoted the 23rd Psalm through tears. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear any evil. Stop. I'm not saying she was fearless. As a matter of fact, she feared the unknown. But she didn't fear evil. Because the Lord is with me. Your rod and your staff, they're going to comfort me. you are going to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. and going to anoint my head with oil. The cup overflows. Surely your grace and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And shortly after that, she left. I, I don't know what kind of valley you may be in right now. I mean, maybe you have families that are right there where she was. Maybe you are right there where she was. Getting close. Maybe your valley is way different because this is not supposed to indicate just death, it's supposed to indicate treacherous things in your life, storms that are unbelievably tumultuous emotions that are out of control, circumstances that look like they're going to overtake you, whatever your valley is right now, just remember this. You've got to walk through it, okay? You've got to walk through it in order to get to the pasture. And remember this. There's a shepherd who will be with you every step of the way. Is there news that's any better than that? No, there isn't. And it's the good news that's given to us in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, we thank You um, that You have allowed us to be Your sheep. And and I pray, Lord, right now for for that person who hasn't surrendered to You as Lord and Savior. And they hear the story, but they don't know the shepherd. I, I pray that today, or very soon they will surrender their life to the Good Shepherd and feel the comfort that can only come from following you. And I pray, Lord, for those of us who are following you, and whatever our circumstances, you will remind us that you are right next to us. Your rod and your staff, they're going to comfort us. Nothing can touch our eternal life, because It is securely in your loving hands. So we pray, Lord, that as we enter this week, whether or not we are in a valley or about to walk into an unexpected one, you will remind us of your grace and presence, and it will comfort us. In the name of Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.